What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Friday, July 15th, 2022. Today on the show, looking for some all-dirty work candidates for the Dolphins in 2022. Those players who might not show up in the stat sheet, but are going to move the needle for this team in a week-out and week-out basis. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, director of scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And I want to thank everybody who makes Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day for hopping on and joining with us here on this Friday uh, as we dive into some... Probably under the radar would be an appropriate way to describe these players. Players who are not going to get fanfare uh, from a national level on a weekly basis. But players who I think have the potential to end up ultimately being like fan favorite type players for what they bring to the table, for the little things that they do that can help push this team from being a fringe playoff contender to somebody who can actually contend. in the playoffs, become that next chapter of this team that we are all hoping to see the Dolphins uh, become. If you're joining me on the YouTube channel today, Locked on Dolphins, make sure you like the video, hit subscribe, and um, hit the bell so that way you know when we drop new videos, you can get those notified to you. Uh, You'll have to forgive me if you see me looking in in different places. I know I'm a very routine-oriented person. I'm trying a little different recording apparatus. I move my camera a little bit. So I'm I'm, I'm getting back into the vibe, but my standard routine has been interrupted. But we we are going to keep plugging along by starting at the tight end position. And anybody who's listened to Locked On Dolphins for any extended period of time knows that this is a pro-hunter-long podcast. And I think the the Hunter Long um, year two development for the Dolphins is going to be an important one because, uh, let's be honest, I don't know if you guys saw the, obviously you've seen the reports that have come out this week. Mike Gusecki, it seems like, is not going to reach a contract extension with the Dolphins. He's going to play this year on the franchise tag. Done. We, we've kind of known that was going to be the case if you've read the tea leaves. Now, I don't. And I've already communicated on this show why I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. There was also a quote that came out uh, from ESPN is doing a survey of executives across the league to identify the top 10 players at each position. And for the tight end position, Mike Kiseki was admitted from the list. He was not a top 10 player. And the quote that came out that, that really jumped on and seemed to upset some Dolphins fans was, uh, he's a net quote about Mike Gusecki. Quote, he's a negative as a blocker, has redeeming qualities in the passing game, but that's no tight end for me. Uh, that's from an AFC scout on Mike Gusecki. And there were a lot of Dolphins fans who kind of bristled at that and took exception to that. Look, from having watched the film, I don't think there's anything said there that's factually incorrect. And that doesn't have to make Mike a bad player. Uh, But he is a negative as a blocker. 
It's never been his strength. And if you want any reaffirmation of that one way or another, go back to 2018 when he was a rookie and Adam Gase used one out of every five plays he took as a rookie to keep him in pass protection. And look at how bad he was. And we were all hammering the, the pick and Mike Gusecki is a player because he did not perform well because he was asked to be something that he's not. And I'm inclined to agree that, uh, yeah, you put Mike Gusecki attached to the set and go look at any snaps over the last two seasons, and it's not an impact on the play that creates for your teammates in the running game. That doesn't mean he's bad. It just means he's a skill-specific player. Now, if you're going to have a player like that that is skill-specific, who does have to play in space, and then you also have Durham Smythe, who we've talked about on this show, and I think Durham is at his best in more of like an H-back alignment where he's not the guy with his hand in the dirt on the line, but he's like one-by-one yards outside of whoever that end man on the line of scrimmage is, where that way his impact on the play can be as an insert or a split flow as compared to a linear or a, a vertical release off the line of scrimmage to try and move defensive ends. Angles is where you can implement Durham Smythe and have success. Now, that's great too. But that is also, in my opinion, a little bit more of a skill-specific player. So you need somebody who has the skill-specific skill set where it's hand in dirt and block down on defensive ends and push double teams with your offensive tackle and create vertical movement in the run. That's Hunter Long. And I think going into year two, coming out of Boston College, uh, he's somebody who I have high expectations for. Uh, and I think. It, when Dolphins fans see him get into being comfortable in the NFL, I'd like to think the Boston College version of, of Hunter uh, is going to show up. And it's going to really ingratiate him to Dolphins fans because of what his role is going to be in reviving the rushing attack in Miami. Now, maybe that doesn't happen. And if that doesn't happen, then... We're going to have to have a discussion about Hunter Long. But I also think Hunter Long, like, really smart dude, right? Like, when he got drafted, everybody saw the Rubik's Cube clip where he solved the whole Rubik's Cube in, like, 30, 45 seconds, whatever it was. Um, so for this offense, we talked a little earlier this week about potential hurdles to a fast start. And we talked about offensively how all the routes, you have to be able to make side adjustments after the snap to identify the coverages and understand where you got to hit different landmarks. I think Hunter can be a, a contributor in that role as well. And he was, he was a bit of a baller at Boston College as far as the passing game goes. He came on late in that component of, of his career at Boston College. But he could do it. So he's never going to be a volume guy. But he could be Mr. Reliable when the Dolphins go 12 in third and shorts and you end up play-action passing. I think he could be in the red zone. So, uh, and maybe some of this, it, this is all forecasting on my part, but this is hopeful thinking on my part that Durham or that, that Hunter Long can complement what you have in Durham Smythe and Mike Isecki's established players as he comes into year two. I have another offensive skill player who I think would be an all dirty work player for 2022. But before I get there, I got to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein. High in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. And right now, you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. 
I'm going to keep things on offense in the skill group. And I'd love to point to a running back. And I'd love to point to a guy like Limbo Jr. too. But I just think the the players in front of Lynn are going to make it really difficult for him to be somebody who I think gets consistent run uh, as far as snaps that he collects on a week-by-week basis. Now, maybe some guys get banged up and we see him step up to the plate. And, and if he does, I think he, he makes the most of the, those opportunities. But um, I'll go to Trent Sherfield, uh, the wide receiver who came across from San Francisco. And what I like about Trent Sherfield is that he's been in this system. And there's a very clear vacancy for the Dolphins in their roles that were vacated. And Miami brought a lot of people back, right? But one person that they did not bring back was Mac Hollins. And Mac Hollins had this critical special teams role. And he was like this sneaky good player as a blocker. And he was this sneaky good player for what he brought in the passing game, especially last year, because he had chemistry with Tua. Ken, Trent Sherfield, quickly established chemistry with Tua Tungvaloa? I don't know. But I know he has familiarity with the offense. So that gives him a really good chance to have chemistry with Tua. And he is a big physical guy who can also block and help revive the rushing attack. And he can be what Matt Collins was as a height-weight speed guy on special teams who flies around like a maniac. All of these things for me, I think, add up to the enthusiasm that I have that Trent Sherfield can be a player who moves the needle for the Dolphins but might not necessarily move the needle in ways that is seen in the spreadsheet, in the box score, in the stats. And man, oh man, if we get another player who ends up being like what Matt Collins was, because I, I know I felt the gut punch when Matt Collins ended up signing with the Raiders, I was disappointed because Mac Hollins quickly became a fan favorite for all of the little things he did. And say what you will about the Dolphins fan base and their passion relative to the rest of the league, which I think is BS to begin with. But Dolphins fans picked up pretty quick that Mac Hollins was a dude who was a glue guy and was really valuable. And was one of the leaders of the team, and he gained a lot of respect from this fan base very quickly because of his efforts in that regard. I want Trent Sherfield to be that player. I'm not guaranteeing that Trent Sherfield could be that player, but I've seen enough of Trent Sherfield in San Francisco to know, hey, man, this, this, this guy's got a really good chance to follow that same pathway that Matt Collins does. Um. But this is not just an offensive podcast. We're, we're talking about all three phases, all three phases. And we'll, we'll get back to that third phase here in a little bit. But uh, the next name that I want to mention is um, Duke Riley, the linebacker who they chose to bring back. And Duke was one of those guys who it felt like he really hit his stride as the season went. And I think coming into a new season in which Duke is familiar with and comfortable with the offense, I get excited about what that can look like from a hit-the-ground-running perspective, understanding that you need guys that can move in space. You need guys who can 
fly to the football. You need guys who can play on all phases of special teams, and he can do all of that, right? So Duke Riley being a player who is going to see the field in a lot of different ways and probably see more snaps on special teams than he is on defense. But in some of those game situations where you need guys who you might not necessarily, you might be playing a more physical team, right? So you don't want to just roll out your dime package and stay in six DBs the entire game. You got to have some linebackers that can move. And we're not really talking about Duke because we're talking about Channing Tindall, who was drafted in the third round, and we all have these high expectations for, and rightfully so. But Duke Riley being a veteran player who has juice, who came on strong and is now entering into his second season with a team in which he already knows the system. I would not be surprised if he's that guy that pops up every single week and makes a play, a play for you that helps push. It's one of those critical games, right? You talk about the script of winning football games, right? And what you generally hear people talk about is football games are boiled down to eight to 10 critical plays throughout the course of 60 minutes. And how many of those eight to 10 critical plays can you collect in your favor? If you get more, you're probably going to win the game. And some of those defensively and on special teams, like Duke Riley can be that guy. I genuinely believe that he can. Now he's bounced around the league a little bit. Uh, He hasn't really settled in somewhere long-term. I'm hoping Miami can be that place for him. But I I have seen enough of Duke Riley flash to feel as though he's the guy that, like, we're not talking about the decision to bring him back. We're talking about the decision to bring back Elan and Roberts because he's penciled in as a starter. We're talking about the addition of Channing Tindall because he was the team's first draft selection and is coming off a national championship winning defense that was one of the greatest defenses we've seen in recent college football history. Understandably so. But there's more play here. There's more bodies. And Duke is a guy who I would feel comfortable in on my, my pressure sub-package downs to, to actually blitz. Pressure sub-package downs to drop out and play zone underneath. You can get a lot. You can get a lot of run out of Duke Riley. And because of that, I think he's going to be one of those all-dirty-work players for us. Uh, I Man, I tell you, I would love to put Noah Igbenogany on this list. But I just don't know the pathway in the same light as Lynn Bowen Jr. I just don't know the pathway for him to get meaningful snaps to be a dirty work type player for you based on right now we're perceiving he is an outside corner only. Now, if we get into camp and they end up saying, yeah, we're going to move Noah around a little bit. We're going to try him some at safety. We're going to see how that goes. And you want to give him those reps. And he actually commands a role there. If he can be your fourth safety, you know, obviously you've got Eric Rowe. You've got Brandon Jones. You've got Javon Holland. If Noe Benogany can be your fourth safety, there I think he can actually move the needle a little bit for you. And he's this big, rocked-up dude, so you feel like he can physically do that kind of role. Let him play forward. You know, He really struggles with ball skills, so let him play a little bit more zone where his eyes can be forward and he can see the play develop a little bit more instead of having to play man coverage on the outside and have his back to the football where he really struggles with his ball skills. Yeah, that's not going to be an area where he shines. But that's a projection amongst all projections, and because it is such a big projection, 
I don't really feel comfortable putting Noah on this list of guys that I expect in the same way that I expect Hunter Long to be a dirty work player that Dolphins fans love. I expect Trent Sherfield to be a dirty work player that Dolphins fans love. I expect Duke Riley to be a dirty work player that Dolphins fans love. I can't say honestly, if I'm being honest, that I expect Noah to be that. I'm hopeful, and I hope that Noah can find himself in that spot entering into year three. But I can't say I expect it, and therefore I, I can't really put him on the list. But what I can do is I can tell you, if you are looking for the number one spot to get all of your sports betting information, betonline.net is the number one spot to be. So, you know, they, they've got all the MLB games. They've got NFL futures. They've got the fights. They've got golf. Um, we're in summer league now. So some of these other leagues are, are getting ready to fire back up here in the fall. BetOnline.net is your number one resource for all your sports wagering information. BetOnline, it's, it's where the game starts. And that's not just a phrase. I mean, it's factual. So if you're looking to, to get into the action yourself, make sure you visit BetOnline.net. The last name that I want to mention here is the third phase, special teams. And special teams, I think, is going to be essential for all the players on this list with the exception of probably Hunter Long. And Hunter may end up playing teams anyway on kickoff and whatnot just because if he is the, the 2A or 2B tight end behind your receiving option in Mike. Uh, Thomas Morstead. I know I made a huge deal about Thomas Morstead when the team signed him, but I think the impact that he has extends beyond just punting the football, right? And if you get him to be a punter who punts effectively, that in itself would ingratiate him to Dolphins fans for the fact that we haven't had that since Brandon Fields with any level of consistency. But also the holding component for Jason Sanders. If Thomas Morstead comes in here on the contract that he's on, and he makes your punting game better, and he makes Jason Sanders a better kicker. He's the ultimate dirty work guy. So you got a punter that's thrown around iron in the iron jungle like it's nobody's business, and he's going to make both components of your kicking game better? Put him at the top of the charts. The ultimate dirty work king, Thomas Morstead. So obviously we've gone through his performance versus Dolphins punters over the last 10 years. And there's been one season in the last 10 years where a Dolphins punter has outperformed Thomas Morstead. Thomas Morstead, from a net perspective, he's consistently like a top 10 punter in the league. But Jason Sanders was like an all-pro kicker in 2020. And he took a step back, and everybody really theorizes that a lot of that ultimately had to do with who you had holding the ball in the kicks. If Morstead can stabilize and bring Jason Sanders back to how he kicked with Matt Hawk, in addition to going without the one shank every six quarters that just kills you with field position, which we seem to see every year, he's going at the top of the list. So that's, that's my group. That's my all-dirty work team for the Miami Dolphins. I've got Hunter Long, Trent Sherfield, Duke Riley, Thomas Morstead as like my expect to see them be those guys. I've got some other guys on the short list, the Lynn Bowden Juniors of the world, potentially Eric Azucamnas of the world, whoever your sixth offensive lineman, but that group is so under the microscope that that player can't possibly qualify as legitimately being an under-the-radar, under-discussed storyline for the Dolphins. Um, 
John Jenkins at nose tackle is the backup to Raquan Davis, but that's injury dependent. No, like Benogany. like some of these guys might be really peripheral guys that you're going to have to see the game script to break a certain way throughout the course of the season for them to be put in positions. And if they do, that's where the depth of this roster will really be tested and have to show up big. Uh, but some of those guys uh, we mentioned first are those who you look at and you say, hey, if these guys perform to the best of their ability, the Dolphins can go from being a nine-win team and a fringe performer to, in my opinion, being a legitimate playoff contender to win a playoff game or two. I'm not saying Super Bowl run just yet. We got to see a lot more from this team in all phases before I'm ready to go into that discussion. But nevertheless, uh, you can change. It's a crowded field for AFC playoff teams. And guys who do that dirty work are going to be the guys who over the course of a 17-game season and sample size are going to be the ones who make the difference in addition to your elite football players. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion on the Miami Dolphins for 2022. Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Make it a great weekend, and I will talk with you guys again on Monday.